ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Above the Bar podcast. For each week, we belly up to the bar with a new guest, find out what they do, who they are, and what makes them great. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Look at that, folks. I completely forgot to bring us back up. Alrighty, folks. Welcome back to the Above the Bar podcast. We were having too much fun in the backstage. Completely to come out, out to the bar here, folks. But, hey, folks, welcome back to the Above the Bar podcast. It's your host, Sean. We are bellying up to the bar on, if my numbers are right, this is episode 100. All right. I do believe it is episode. I'm going to do this for myself. For those of you that started off as uh, the first four that actually listened to the show, as I tr- keep trying to fix my bar stool tonight for whatever reason, I think the hydraulics have gone on it. <laughs> uh, somebody out there knows how to fix that. Let me know. But uh, yeah, we started off with our, we're hitting episode number 100 here today. Congratulations. So, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. So, and if you hear that voice in the back, that is uh, the man of many talents, many, many titles. Many things we can call him vet, chef, podcaster, comedian, writer, radio personality, empath, uh, yeah, man of talents, bearded wonder. <laughs> you can't be bearded wonder, that's all me. Look, it's <laughs> showing up. We have with us, uh, Mr. Brian Russell, Chef Bry, Brian, Com- Chef Bry Comedy. Welcome, sir. good sir. Thank you. How are you doing? Oh, oh, we are doing very, very well here. Uh, may have a get a, a guest pop on and, and join us here in a little bit. We'll see. But oh. a little surprise for Chef Bry. There you go. Oh, they, oh, look at that! I made a rhyme. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> so, sounds great. The more the merrier. So we're gonna get into this this whole thing here. Uh, as we always do before we can get the bar open, we always got to make sure we do our house cleaning, get get the bar set up. So first things, as always, folks. For those of you that are watching the video, for those of you who are not, we got our big board up here for stickering a cause. If you've got something that you're supporting, whether it be a local uh, charitable organization, whether it be uh, something you're starting. And I mentioned this on, on Saturday's special show that we had with, uh, gosh, I'm having a break for it, Oligarch Withers. We had Oligarch on and uh, I talked about this, but we actually had uh, got this amazing beard bomb. So I'm going to mention it one more time. Royal Royal Beard in Maine out of Baltimore. Uh, my man sent me out a can of this, and it's amazing. I let my wife smell it. I used it on my beard. It was great. Uh, and I let my wife smell it, and my wife was like, that reminded her of when we were on our honeymoon, this stuff we had bought, like this really super silly, expensive, like lotion of some sort. Um, and she was like, that's what it reminds me of. So they sent this out that, so. We have to say thank you to them again one more time. But uh, again, sticker in a cause. And as always, if your media needs an upgrade, like your beard will need an upgrade. So you make sure you use Beard Bomb. And, and you get, if you aren't seeing it, Chef Bry got a pretty good beard. We're going to have to ask him what he, if he's dying that or if that's legit. We'll have to find that out in a minute. I'll never tell. We're going to have to find that out in a minute. I mean, I rock my skunk here, but he's got a pretty good solid tone to that thing. But uh, 
at, as we get further and further into this, as always, if you're looking to upgrade your media, make sure you check out Media by Dibs, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, it's Andrew D. If you go, go on to LinkedIn, make sure you, you check him out and uh, he will upgrade you. All you got to do is mention hashtag belly up to the bar and he's going to give you a 10% discount and go ahead and uh, give you a free consultation. So make sure sure you're checking that out. And I forgot to mention this. If you do have all these causes, I don't know why this escaped my brain for a moment. Make sure you reach out to us, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, your local grocery store, convenience store, your neighbor's bumper. If you really pretty much look up the Above the Bar podcast and you see this beautiful mug, for those of you that are listening in the audio version, it's a black and white picture drawn by my daughter that is actually phenomenal. Uh, and mention, uh, you can look right on there and co- contact us. If you're not following, make sure you're following, subscribing, doing all those things. So all that shit's done. It's all done. Yes, sir. Mr. Brian Russell. Yes, how sir. You, sir. How are you, sir? Good. Good. Now, what, sta- what state are you in, other than confusion? Oregon. Oregon. Yes. I'm in the gloomy, rainy Oregon here. <laughs> are, are you now? I just ha- I had somebody on my show from Oregon not long ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I blew his mind. You know, Oregon has a rainforest. I do. I do. I know this. I did know that actually, but but yes, very few people know that. That's good. Good for you. Like the guy was like, I was like, you know, Oregon's got a rainforest. He's like, no. I'm like, <laughs> yes. It was actually in a TV. They had a whole TV series with it. Did they? Oh wow! Yeah, one of those one of those outdoor survival shows. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I, you know, uh, Survivor Man Les Stroud lives. Um, he cohabitates in Canada, but he also lives here in Oregon as well. A couple of years ago, we went to visit to see him. We went to a cave tour out in Bend, Oregon, and uh, we got to hang with Les Stroud while he sang songs to us in a cave. And then the next day, we got to see his concert there in Bend. So. Wow. Uh, but now he lives here in Oregon as well. He lives down in Grants Pass, which is about three hours south of us. See, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. See, I'm I love I love things like that. To me, that's so so cool. Well, we um, we were both in the military, so I don't know how we couldn't have some kind of love of survivalism and camping or something. Well, well, see, we can get into this whole entire prepper thing. We can just make a hard left turn right now and move into <laughs> some other shit. I tell people all the time. I love it when people are like. Oh, that prepping stuff's crazy because they watch the show uh, Preppers, which yeah. they found the craziest people. My favorite episode. Did you ever watch that show? Uh, I have seen a few of them. Yeah. Did you ever see the one where the guy's in Texas and he's actually got a great setup? He was able to buy. I guess this is a big thing in Texas. He was able to buy the water rights underneath of his property. Oh, wow. So that's like a big thing, like to have those water rights. And he's like, yeah. he's got it and he's got all these guns. Well, him and his buddy are in like a blind, just a regular blind, like a like a uh, hunting blind raised up off the ground. Mm-hmm. And the guy shoots like a 308. He, it's not like he was shooting a Barrett 50 cal. <laughs> you know, he, it wasn't, you know, for those who don't know, you know, like a, a dragon missile system that you cannot shoot inside of a closed areas. It wasn't nothing like it was like yeah. a 308. Wow. He shoots it, and the guy who owned the property, you'd have thought that somebody took an ice pick to his eardrums. He's like, oh, I've lost. Oh, you got to be out of here. I can't. Like, he's just losing. I'm like, wow. Like, here, we'll we'll go to a military term. Do you remember the term being turtle fucked? 
<laughs> I've heard of it. It's been a while, but yeah. <laughs> Where somebody takes their helmet and bashes your helmet while while you're wearing it. Like, oh, okay. Like yeah. We did horrible things to each other in the service. Oh, yeah. Like just horrible things. So, 24-7 hazing. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't by anybody else. We did it to each other. We completely oh, yeah. did it to each other. That's how we kept each other tough. That's it. it was like, <laughs> I remember playing games where we would throw, like, you got to remember, folks, these are all, we're all kids 18 to 22, and we're heaving rocks at each other at, like, baseball pitcher speed <laughs> just because it was fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We used to have fun playing, uh, having dirt clawed fights when we were kids, but half those dirt clods had rocks in them. It'd mm -hmm. beam you and a, a rock would hit you upside the head and, you you know. You just move on, move yeah. on with life. Just keep getting at it. So, <laughs> so I wanted, I, I know I mentioned like a, about a hundred things yeah, that, no. you, that you do. Yeah. Um, so I want to kind of get into this. The first one that really struck me and I, I really, folks check out when you, when you get a moment, not right now, cause we're still doing our show. Um, check out surviving empathy. That is uh, Brian's podcast. You also can find him as chef Bry comedy. Is another right. way you can find him. Yeah. Um, check check it out. You have a very long write up about your show. Yeah. Uh, which I was impressed yeah. by. It's too I, long. It's because I'm old and old people have too much experience. So right. You have like all these things. But the one thing I wanted to ask you was you you this the show is surviving empathy and you call yourself an empath. Yeah. So when I think of that term, yes, I think of very like supernatural paranormal whatever term you want to use sure. like somebody walks in the room and the person goes i'm sad now because you're sad i can feel <laughs> your emotion like that's what i think of sure it, am i on track is that what we're talking yeah, about it's here? Kind of like that what it what we're learning about being an empath is that most people have some form of it it just depends on where you are on the dial some people might have it just a little bit you know two or three where some people might have it at an eight or a nine. And then what I like to say is, is psychics are basically mega empaths, you know, because okay. they can, they can tell things just from looking at things and being in the vicinity of other people, you pick up on vibes, you pick up on um, uh, intentions and you, and you pick up on energy and that energy translates to emotion. And so you can pick up on the emotions of others not like, you know, I can't do it because you're across the country. I can't do it like that. Right. I can I can judge your micro expressions and tell your motivations that way. But I can't pick up on anything else because, you know, you're not in, in the room with me. But if you were in the room with me, I might be able to pick up on intentions or just what kind of person you are. You know, I can kind of get a sense of you very uh, quickly and adeptly just because uh, your energy is is informing me of who you are. Um, and a lot of times people hide their true intentions and you can sometimes sense that. So it's not a magic power. It's not paranormal. It's simply uh, the ability to pick up on energy and vibes. And sometimes that can translate into picking up on spirits and ghosts as well. But it's not usually that. So I'm glad you said that you couldn't pick up on that on the other side of the country. Like I'm very like I'm we've had uh, the guys from unearthing the paranormal one. Yeah. They're all Native American paranormal team. Great guy. And we talked a little bit about this, but like, but these people are like, I'm going to read your tarot cards from the other side of the country. And I'm like, <laughs> that, yeah. that doesn't that doesn't even make sense. 
Like yeah. If, if you're well, I following, don't understand how the tarot cards would know, right? Who who's who is being directed at? You know, right? Exactly. It's like, like if you're going with what the traditional idea of this is that you're supposed to touch the cards, your energy transfers to the cards. It gives a it gives it a vibe, and then you're they're able to pull that energy out of there. It it's one of these like, no, nah, this doesn't work for me. It, it's kind of like, well, that's the thing about my show. And that's the thing about being an empath is I actually do an entire episode on the science of being an empath, because a lot of people do believe it's pseudoscience or a lot of people believe that it's new age hogwash. And so what I try to do is I try to get people to understand that not only is it natural, but most people have it. And it's learning how to filter out things in order to hear it. You sense it through uh, there's various practices you can do to get better at it. Um, but it's something that I was born with. And I, for years and years and years, I denied it because it, being a macho man, you know, I was in soccer and karate and judo. And then uh, I went into the military. And then after the military um, is when I started to learn a more sensitive, I was born as a sensitive, but I didn't, I denied it. I, you know, cause I was a tough kid. I was a skateboarder. I was in a soccer goalie, you know? And so what happened was, is uh, as I started to become, uh, just get into my uh, late 30s, I started to understand what it was and why it was. And then from there, I really just, because I couldn't it, deny it anymore, I decided to embrace it. So that's why I call myself an empath. But I, it's only a very small part of who I am. It, it doesn't mean that I'm a new age hippie. It doesn't mean that I'm, you <laughs> know, are in Oregon. People, Hold on, yeah, you are in Oregon. Yeah, and people get a lot of misconceptions about it. And and so I, I I'm here doing the podcast to get people not only to understand a greater sense of empathy towards each other in society, but also to simply um, uh, uh, be there for empaths and explain what it is and why it is and how you can attune yourself to become better at it, or at least learn how to block and filter if you can't deal with it, you know? So you're, you're saying, you know, if you just don't want to deal with it, you can almost train ah, keep hitting my mic you can almost train yourself to kind of block the entire thing out and just you can there are techniques of what's called blocking and filtering that you have to absolutely do to block out the vibes that you feel in in around you sure okay so so now you kind of got into that you know and going from this person where you know you you're you know as you're growing up but you're you're kind of like meh i don't want to feel all the emotions that are that are involved here, you yeah. go off and now you're joining the army. Um, yeah. And you know what army stands for, right? <laughs> What's that? Aren't ready for Marines yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, there's a little bit of truth in that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did my 20 years in the Marine. So, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, we gotta, that's one of those things I tell people all the time. Like I can say that shit. You can't say that shit. Exactly. Well, army wasn't tough enough for me. So I decided to go airborne and that helped. <laughs> that's a whole see now i did avionics on helicopters yeah I used to, people used to be like have you ever repelled out of one i'm like no i'm not repelling out of that bitch i'm not jumping out of it. yeah i'm like I, i'm not i've repelled like down just like on a stage wire uh but i'm not i'm not doing that oh no yeah i've done air assault and airborne yeah so i'm getting a message here i have to check something as, as sure. so, so now so who how long were you in the army for uh, four years. All right. So you did your, did your four. And then, uh, now you were, what is it for? See, this is one that I've never understood why all the services, uh, don't do this is we don't all just use the same nomenclature for MOS. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's, MOS mode of service. Yeah. I, I'm like, 
My I, I look at guys, I'm like, yeah, I was a 35-21, then a 63-23, 84-20, 84-11, then retired as an 84-12. And to all of us, we at least know those are freaking MOSs. Yeah. But Army guys say to me, like, yeah, it was a 25 Bravo. It was a 36 Charlie. And I'm like, fuck is that? No. Yeah, different worlds. And it's it's so it's one of those ones that for us we're like I, I don't understand. So so where did they uh, where did they stick yet most of the time? Uh, most of my time was spent in Alabama. Uh, I was a my MOS. I was a fifty five Bravo and fifty five Delta, which is ammunition specialist and EOD specialist. So I spent most of my time at an ammo supply point counting. We, they call us you know glorified BB counters. Stackers. <laughs> you were a BB stacker. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I'll tell you a great story. So do you know where um, doggone uh, Romulus, New York is? Uh, yeah, I've heard of it. So up there is where um, Seneca, New York. Yeah. And they still have the old school magazines in Seneca. Oh. And that was a bracked base. And uh, I've actually hunted from on top of those after the base was closed. You can actually walk up on the old magazines and everything. I mean, old school, right. bro, like concrete buildings that they planted grass on so that the, yeah so that the commies couldn't see it from satellites yeah, we shit. had all those you had all the hills and then underneath that were the big concrete bunkers where we stored yeah. all the mission absolutely yeah yep all the old school stuff so so you're down in alabama yeah and now are you originally from oregon or i am actually originally from the central coast of california all right so I oregon Basically yeah. the same shit. Right? Yeah, yeah. The southern Southern Oregon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's only three states over there. I mean, that's exactly. Let's... Yeah, we're you're in one of them. I've and I've lived in all three actually. Yeah, see, yeah, there's only three states. We actually uh, had a, our guest over the weekend was from uh, was w- living in Portland. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm an, a, I'm an hour and a half south of Portland. So, in a little know. town called Albany, Oregon, Corvallis, Oregon. Wait a sec, you're in Albany, Oregon? Yeah. I'm in Albany, New York. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And no did you shit. know that Albany, Oregon was named Albany, New York because the founder was originally from Albany, New York. That's too funny. There you go. And, and what's even funnier is we call it Albany. Then in Georgia, they call yeah. it Albany. Albany. Yeah. yeah. Which is the, the army base down or the uh, Marine Corps logistics base down in Georgia, which is Albany, Georgia. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in fact, I was born in Georgia because my dad was stationed at Fort Stewart. Stewart. But then uh, six weeks later, we moved back to California because he got out. So, oh, like right after you were born. Right afterwards. So I was just born. Like you remember, you got a Georgia birth certificate. That's about the extent that's of it. That's about it. That's all I know. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's wild. So you get out and where do we head to after that? So I basically went back to my hometown of San Luis Obispo, California, and I went to college. Uh, I was working uh, pre-med uh, while well, I was studying pre-med to be a chiropractor because my best friend at the time was going to chiropractic school. And so uh, I did that for several years. And then it, it finally got to the point where I um, was getting ready to transfer. And so I, I went up to visit my friend up there to decide what school I wanted to go to in the Bay Area. And uh, I didn't have a great experience. All these, this was post-military. I was out of the military. And um, I, uh, you know, I, in the military taught me just uh, different kinds of people. It taught me who I was and who I wasn't. Um, and, and I got around all these, you know, kind of yuppies and, and straight-laced people with their uh, 
docker pants, you know, and I just <laughs> felt like a fish out of water. And say fish out of water. <laughs> yeah. So what I did is I, I, I made the decision within a few months after that visit to go to culinary school. And I ended up moving down to Pasadena, California and going to culinary school there. So, so that's one I wanted to talk to you about because yeah. we're going to get, we're moving towards the comedy. Yeah. I want to talk because I see the food you put on fucking line. Uh, oh yeah. That's, you don't play games. I don't play around. You don't play games. About it. <laughs> I, I, I will tell you though, today I made a uh, venison backstrap. Oh, nice. And, and I, my wife always picks on me because I, I'm a medium rare at, um, at the most medium rare. Right. I might get a look. There are moments where I'm okay with purple. Yeah. There's mo and my wife's like, I'll be damn. <laughs> Maybe, you know, the answer to this, because I was going to look it up earlier. Sure. My wife's always like, it's still bleeding. I'm like, that's not blood. That no, it's not, not blood. blood. What is no. it called? What is the right? Do you remember the right term? Uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot. Like, no, it. no. It, you know, we call it different things based on what we're doing with it. But it, in that case, I, it's just juice. That's what I call it. Meat juice. Yeah. Juice. I yeah, told her she, she's watching right now. She's gonna send in a minute here. I'll get a text or she'll send a message to the <laughs> show and she's gonna be like, No. So you, you become a chef, which yeah. I, I again, nope, oh, see, see, I told you it was coming. It's blood, gross. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I, knew, I knew it was coming. So um you, you become I, a chef. <laughs> now now were you so you're a professionally trained chef, not a I guess it wouldn't be considered classically, but professionally. Uh, I I am classically trained in the sense that I got my Le Cordon Bleu diploma from from Le Cordon Bleu. So I am a classically oh, no. trained chef. Oh, no. Excuse oh, no. Me. I know. Got a Cordon Bleu. So fancy. <laughs> oh, let me hold my pinky. It, it, my yeah. I, I, you know, anybody who knows me in the show, um, I am not. I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy. I can go fancy. Um, I learned all that. And um, it's kind of like I just said on the last episode is we were watching Cobra Kai and Miyagi says to Danielson in Karate Kid 3 that you take all the karate you learn and then you make it your own. Well, same goes with with cooking is that you go to culinary school, you learn all the fancy stuff. But then after you practice and work and all that, you 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 create your own signature brand, if you will. And you just I'm not a fancy person, but I can do fancy. But I kind of like provincial food, which is kind of rustic and earthy, poor people's food, you know, um, rather than what's called hot cuisine, which is fancy stuff. I learned both, but I, I tend to just do my own thing now. Now that you know the rules, you can color outside the lines. See, I, I, I love I see. I've taught myself. My wife will tell you my spirit animal is Anthony Bourdain. Oh, um, I, I think he was an amazing. I don't know how much of an amazing chef he was. Right. I like I've eaten at Morimoto's before. Made yeah. by, made like I've had Chef Morimoto come to Morimoto. my table. He's, and, the, he's the bomb. And, and you want to. This is what kind of a young Marine asshole I was, though. <laughs> I get omakase from chef morimoto and yeah. for those of you who don't know what omakase is that's chef's choice in japan and they just basically bring you dishes and they had their levels at this place was 80 a person 100 a person 120 a person so you could just it was kind of like great amazing you may die now like it was that level of quality bring me all these dishes i'm yeah. enjoying it uh, with the person I, I was on a date with, we're having a great time, and um, it, they bring the last dish. It's ice cream, and it's this maple ice cream. 
yeah. Chef Morimoto comes over, and again, I'm an arrogant, dumb young Marine. What the hell do I know? <laughs> he goes, Oh, and I have an auto- I have an autograph menu from him. What he he asked, What did you think of the meal? And uh, I said, Chef, everything was amazing except for the ice cream. It felt like something I should have had from uh, IHOP. Oh, no. What did he say? I have that same shirt. Do you? He's got the Anthony Bourdain middle finger shirt. I've worn it on the show. <laughs> I have the same one. Yeah, I've got two, in fact, but that's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yes. Yes, my dear. Someone dated me besides you. My wife. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, but. And it wasn't even dated me. It was just a date singular. Never went yeah. on another one with him. But, uh, but yeah, so it was, I, 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 How I did he react to that when you said that, uh, he just kind of smiled like, yeah, do you know <laughs> the fuck you're talking to? And I'm, and in my mind, I'm like, I know you from iron chef. You can make food real fast. I don't know. <laughs> like now looking back at that, I'm like, you, you told a modern legend in culinary that his ice cream belonged on waffles at IHOP. You, you, <laughs> you told him that. And I think about it because this was the one in Philadelphia. This was the original Morimoto's. Mm-hmm. Like, like this was the one and he was there. And yeah. I'm like, and here I am. I'm like, <laughs> like whatever. Well, you know, in your defense, what I say is um, you only get out of culinary school what you put in. Some people graduate and they learn a ton, whereas some people, they get out and they, they, they burn rice. They can't cook at all. They didn't put enough into it. And so being a great chef has nothing to do with your education, has everything to do with your, um, your essence of who you are. And if you can Passion. turn that into something bigger than yourself, then you can have not only a brand, but it's an essence of how you cook, you know? I, I love that outlook on it because I love to cook. Like I said, like I made that venison today. Yeah. I, I, I learned from, and I actually learned this from a butcher. Super hot pan, meat in, salt, pepper, butter in the pan, spoon yeah. the butter over the entire time, yeah. flip it, spoon the butter over the entire time, put it underneath the broiler for a couple of minutes on each side, take it out, let it rest, don't touch this damn thing. Yeah. And, and then eat it. That's and, it. And when, you, when you have quality ingredients, the chef, the chef, all the chef does is he's the referee. He decides what goes in and out of the pan. So, I love it. you know, you're the referee. If you know you have a quality cut of venison, you really don't want to obscure that with a ton of flavors. Now, if I'm going to Safeway or somewhere and getting a choice cut of meat, I can season it because I know that we're not, we're not talking about Wagyu beef here, you know? So mm. Um, in those cases, you know, it's really, you're the referee. Have you ever, I, we can do cooking all day because oh, we could use up the whole hour if we had to. <laughs> I just learned about this one that I didn't know. So we all talk about Wagyu and yeah. everybody says how amazing Wagyu is. And right. you have American Wagyu. I believe there's an Australian Wagyu. Mm-hmm. There's all these. Have you ever seen Hanwu, Hanwu or Hansu? The Korean. Yes. I'd rather have that. Looking at that cut and the and those animals and the way that's treated. Yeah. Bro. Like you're like this is I they've got a thing on Netflix right now. I'm pointing upstairs. Nobody can see me point upstairs as I'm pointing (laughs) upstairs. My TV's that direction. (laughs) Are Um, you pointing at my microphone? (laughs) I'm pointing at your microphone, my TV. But like there's this whole thing now with 
with the oh man and i've had korean barbecue where you go into the restaurant yeah hot plate in the center i've been to k-town in sure. new york city yeah i'm gonna tell you right now that level like the way they treat it and the koreans to me food wise folks there's a couple of cultures i've eaten that i'm gonna tell you right now their food game does not get enough respect uh korean right. palestinian and uh turkish to yeah. me Oh. Does not get like we've all like nowadays. There's a lot of Indian, especially with English influences in Indian, and it's good food. I don't, I don't take nothing. Sure. But we mostly eat Southern Indian Punjabi right. food. We don't yeah. eat Northern Indian. Sure. That's a whole different game. Like I'm Certain, telling you, we can get yeah. into, we can get into bro. Food is my <laughs> shit. Hey. I watch all the shows. I watch all <laughs> the shows. Like David Chan, I'm watching that dude. Yeah. Um, I used to watch what's her name. Um. Uh, uh, Lake oh god, what the hell's her name? Uh, Lakesh, Lake oh god, I can't think of her name right now. Uh, she, help you. I, I, she has uh, a, another show on Hulu, and I loved her her cooking, I love her style of cooking. She's a yeah. beautiful woman, but yeah. I just couldn't put up with every. I want to see you cook, I don't give a shit about your politics. Yeah, exactly. Just scramble those eggs and show me how you're making them better than my scrambled eggs. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. We're going to get ready to move on, but I got to ask a scrambled egg question. I think sure. this is an important question. Yeah. In the scramble, in the pan or in the bowl? Uh, in the bowl. In the pan. Hey, hot that's pan. all right. That's all right, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm always curious of that. Yeah. I, I do a, that because I can control it, the environment better and it doesn't overcoagulate while I'm trying to mix it. That's all. See, I can control the environment. That's all. See, I like in the, I like in the, in the hot pan. Because yeah, I, I like the. I think it gives a different flavor and texture. It's right. Yeah, it it gives it a absolutely. It browns it and it gives it a certain flavor. No, I agree. I agree, and that's why I don't just learn from fancy pants chefs. I've learned to cook from some of the lowest, you know, friends in low places. Yeah, I got friends in low places, and uh, I've learned more from my friends in low places than I've ever learned from culinary school. You know, I got one of my best culinary compliments. Uh, probably about two weeks ago, my aunt, who's about 13 years older than me. Yeah. So, I mean, in the grand scheme, as we've gotten older, we're not a huge age difference. You know, she's 13 years older than me. Right. Uh, called me up to ask me how I do my gravy and biscuits because she can't make it as good. Oh, there you go. Do you know how great that was to me? And my yeah. response to her was, I learned it from my grandmother, her mother. Right. By picking up the phone and calling her one day and she told me how to make gravy. And yeah. really, Southern gravy is nothing more than a roux. I remember the first time somebody told me, Go, you're making a roux. I'm like, no, I'm making gravy. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> make gravy. So uh so you know, you how long what? did you how long did you professionally cook for? Uh I did it uh professionally for about 12 years, and then I started transitioning out when I was hitting glass ceilings. Um, you know, there's a massive difference when you're guided by creativity and passion you go to culinary school and it's a lot of fun while you're there because you're you're meeting you know i got to meet emerald lagasse i got to meet uh, wolfgang puck i got to meet um, some of the greats you know um and 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 uh i even got to meet uh gosh what's her name uh well i'll get back to that but we uh, it was a wonderful martha? experience was it martha no 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 <laughs> the you know um she talks julia child mm -hmm. I got to meet her at 80 years old about a year before she passed away. Oh, and wow. she was there 
to, to celebrate a book that she wrote. And we got to talk with her and sit with her. And really she was like, she was sitting the whole time because she was a very tall woman. Yes. And by then she had sort of gigantism. And so she had problems walking, but we sat there literally like kids sitting there talking with Santa Claus for an hour. Oh, imagine. And it was magical. Imagine. Yeah, it was wonderful. But the point I'm making is that you, you, you go to culinary school and it gets you all hyped up because you're energetic. The energy and the vibe there is positive and it's creative. And then you get out into the real world and you will lose yourself. Stymied, screwed down. Yeah. It just battens down all the creative hatches and then you just end up becoming a line cook. And over time, if you don't find your creative center, it'll kill you. It'll, you'll, it's, it's crib death, man. You will die before you even get a chance to live. And so you really have to be careful. I've done an entire episode about culinary school and what it did for me and what it did against me. And then it talked about how, you know, when you get out into the field out there, how you uh, keep that passion and creativity alive, because you will find nine times out of 10, uh, the, the creativity out there is just is lacking because they're, they're more about selling food to the masses. And so all the real good creative stuff, it's not about being fancy. It's not about being elitist. It's about putting out really kick-ass stuff. And what happens is, is a lot of times people just, you know, they want to, they want to make money. And so they're more concerned about putting on uh, menus that they know are going to do well rather than try anything new. And so chefs die and wither on the vine if they don't find their, their creative um, career soon, you know. Now, before we move on to leaving the culinary world and moving on to the next step, yeah. favorite, favorite cooking show. Uh, my favorite cooking show. I don't watch a lot of them anymore, but uh, Ever. my favorite Ever. used to be Good Eats with Alton Brown. So I'm gonna throw you a curveball. Yeah, and, and I I only I don't know anybody but me that used to love this show, Two Fat Ladies. Oh yeah, yeah. I used to watch that. You I know, love Two Fat Ladies. Yeah, I used to watch that, and then I used to watch. Um, you know, uh, they had a Cooking Channel at night where they would do uh the galloping gourmet mm -hmm. it would have it would be a double feature it'd be the galloping gourmet and then it would be um julia child and i would watch that back to back and then usually my ming sai would come on and he would do his show and yeah. ming sai was one of my favorites back in the day uh, i used to watch one uh pbs uh yang can cook oh yeah yeah he was great in Let fact fix i gotta fix something real quick nathan yeah. the only thing you've ever created was a losing season in fantasy football moving on go ahead <laughs> nice. I love it. <laughs> I, I just had to get that out real quick. No, gotta, no, gotta you got to do what you got to do. Throw that out. So, so, so we leave cooking. Yeah. You know, what? Where do we go from creativity and cooking? Because what I hear is you're a pretty creative guy. Yeah. Everything I hear is creativity. Everything I hear is is, is you. You've got it. I mean, you've created a pretty good looking beard. I want to know if there's a dye job in there because I think we're around the same age. <laughs> I want to know if there's a dye job in there. Maybe we'll yeah, get that out. There's a dye job oh, in there. My wife wants me to do it. I can't do it. I can't. I'm like, I love my skunk. I love you know, skunk. I don't mind. I don't mind the gray. It's not out of vanity. I do it because it's not even yet. Once it has like yours where it's even, then I'll yeah. just stop. But the, until the then, I the look like it's worse than a skunk. I, it looks like cow patches. It looks like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, just, I can understand that. Yeah. Like, We'll, we'll have to hook you up with uh, Doug over at Phoenix Shaving. They've got one he was telling me about. Like, I don't remember what the material is, but it's like a comb-in kind of stuff that does it. 
and and he tried to get me to I'm like I'm not fucking doing it dude. Right, do you, right. Do you know how much people would pay to have their beard look like this? Oh, I know exactly. I'm like I'm not doing it. I'm not No, doing it looks perfect because you've got the stripes and they're perfectly in it, line. That's it, that's what I'm waiting for. Yeah, like it, it was a lot to it. So, we get into radio. How many years in radio? Okay, so I um only did radio for about a year and a half. More, but I, I'm I, interested. I learned a ton. I mean, uh, what happened was, is we ended up moving up to Portland, Oregon, spend a year there. And then we went, we got homesick and we went back to California. And in that time, uh, my buddy has been a, uh, he worked in radio for, he's been in now for going on what, 17 years, I guess. And, and he got me hooked up into that uh, because he's my best friend and he knew I needed a job. And so I ended up working the Mid-State Fair as a, a technical um, a promotions assistant. And then from there, they saw that I was adept at technology. And so I kind of wor- wiggled my way on air a few times. And I never did it full time. Uh, but what I did is I was mostly a, a behind the scenes technical guy that occasionally uh, went on air yeah. when needed. So that's what I ended up getting the bug, really. All right. So we're doing that. I'm trying to... because. So I've got a guy. Mm-hmm. He wants to be a comedian. Yeah. He's not, he's not, he's kind of funny. He yeah. has his moments of funny. Sure. He wants someone to kind of mentor him towards funny. Yeah. And and I've worked with him. I've tried. <laughs> it, 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 there's not first off, I mean, there's not a lot I can say to try to help him. <laughs> yeah. Really? So what I'm hoping is uh you can help this guy Uh, he's been sitting in the waiting area this entire time yeah asking you know he keeps sending me text messages i'm like stop we'll get to you when we get to you (laughs) but he wants someone to teach him how to be funny and how to write a joke Uh Uh, for those of you that are longtime listeners you know who i'm talking about Uh, i mean he's even now trying to get into magic i don't i don't understand it i mean and I've never seen him without a cigarette in his hand. Right. And as long as I've known him, I've like never seen him. I know. <laughs> never seen him. So welcome the the cowboy from Kentucky, the uh, king of Kentucky, the Kentucky yeah. bluegrass bandit. We bring back to the show. Now he's got a moniker now. What the hell is it? Keith, are you okay? If Brian, tell me right now and I'll kick him right off the show. No, no, I love Keith. He's my, he's my boy. Brian, tell me now. I'll kick him right off the show. No, no, man, no. Save Keith. He's a good man. I, I, I mean, it's not like it's not like what, like look. It's like this easy. Boom, he's gone. <laughs> tell me right now. Do you want me to get get rid of him? No, man, no. Hey, Keith, how you doing, buddy? Hey, what's up, bro? How you doing, man? As my yeah. wife says, the man who doesn't swallow his spit. She always thinks, does Keith need to swallow? <laughs> oh, it does sound like I've got a thick tongue. <laughs> you, well, I mean. You know, those of us that have a few extra beverages, we normally have that problem. Well, no, so, no, so, Brian, so I did an episode with Keith for uh, last season, and uh, I turned it into three episodes, three bonus episodes. We had a great time talking. So now you, let's talk about this for a second. So so where does have you done? Are you just writing comedy? Have you done stand up? What, what, tell me about the comedy, because I'll tell you right now, I have no fear of standing up in front of a crowd. Never right. have. I've done. I've told this story before. I've stood in front of people and gave away the Navy Marine Corps scholarship, which was a hundred and fifty thousand dollars scholarship 
in front of the largest school in the state of Pennsylvania that graduates right. 1,100 kids a year. Yeah. I've given out that that scholarship. Yeah. So, so crowds don't bother me. Right. But I really don't know if I could stand up and do comedy. Right. Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, neither do I, because uh, I, I my early chops came from simply doing improv as a as a comedian and, and actor in high school. That's where I got my comedic chops. And really, it was just me and my best friend. My best friend is actually has more bona fides than I do when it comes to stand up because he's done. He's got up on stage several times, whereas I was about to, and then the pandemic hit. And so I actually, uh, I'm more of a comedy writer who writes, who, who is looking, I would love to just sell my comedy to a better comedian than myself. But since nobody wants to do my style of comedy, I just decided, you know, I'll just do it myself. And so when the pandemic hit, all the clubs closed down. But uh, the truth is, is that I'm more of a comedy writer, actually. So, so you like to write the stuff and then pass it off to somebody. Oh, I have no problem with that at all. It's not because I'm shy. It's just that I think there's people like Keith Burr out there who could do it better than me. That's all. Well, well, Keith, Keith, and Keith and I talked about this just recently. Um, This whole thing about, you know, comparing musicians and comedians, Mm -hmm. a musician who doesn't write his own music. We almost question that. Like, well, you don't write your own music. Whereas a comedian, if I told you, oh, well, this is one of Chris Rock's writers. Uh, what's his name from uh, Curb, Your, Curb Your Enthusiasm? Uh, Larry the, David. Larry David. He's been a writer for some of the biggest names in comedy. Yeah. We don't question that mm-hmm. those guys are telling somebody else's jokes. Right. Wow. What do you? Neil, we'll let Keith talk for a moment because yeah, go ahead. My Keith. wife said Keith has a thick tongue. That's funny. I don't know how I feel <laughs> about that. Well, Neil Brennan is also responsible for like a lot of the comedy that was on Chappelle's show. Uh, mm. Just a skinny little white fellow, like and doing that type of humor, especially in that time. I think that was that's tough. That's a tough spot to be in. But yeah, ghostwriting is a huge thing in comedy. It's, uh, they don't get nearly the credit that what you would give a, like a performance, like a musician or one that writes music for a living. Like they, you know, they get the credit, but you know, it's, you only hear Chris Rock's writer's name. Like you only hear Chris Rock's writer. You don't hear the name associated with it. Like who's the guy that, that used to be on 30 rock. He always wore the trucker hats. There's a guy who was on 30 oh, rock. Yeah. I can't remember his name, but I know who you're talking about. He's I know a- who you're talking about. Dusty. Um, Dusty. Uh, shoot. I can't think of his last name. I messaged him not long ago. But that's who I'm thinking about. Dusty Rhodes. No, not Dusty Rhodes. No, no. He's on Netflix. I know. Um, his name's escaping me right now, but yeah, he's really good. Uh, gosh, I wish I could remember his name right now because yeah, he's he's actually he's a genius, but he looks trailer park. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, it, and that's like his his shtick is this like I'm gonna look as just like different trucker caps every time, yeah. with funny st- sayings on him. But he's like an amazing high end writer, and, and I'm always just curious of that. Like, and it, it's just you know, and you kind of just said it, Brian, that. You're like, no, I, I would be more than happy to write material for somebody, you know, for a Keith and let him go ahead and go up on stage and say it. It's yeah. my words, but let him say it. And I yeah. just find that very interesting. 
Well, I'm at the age now where starting comedy at 47 is almost unheard of. Um, I always was a funny guy and um, I listened too much to people tell me that I wasn't to go into that wild world of radio or that wild world of entertainment. And I listened to them and I became a chef instead. And, you know, as much as I love cooking, the career itself has mostly pitfalls and not a lot of pay and not a lot of kudos. And so uh, I decided one day I woke up and decided I was going to live the rest of my life, not doing it for me, but listening to my soul, you know? And so, uh, but as far as performance goes, um, I believe that Keith or somebody like him, probably younger, hipper, uh, probably a much more natural person on stage, but because I'm a writer, I decide, you know, screw it, man. Let's have fun with this. And so, yeah, I would do both. But um, it's because it's not about vanity and it's not about ego. It's really that I want to live the rest of my days on this earth knowing that every day I put something really uh, that was personal to me into everything I do. And so that's what's more important to me is really capturing the juice. Like we're talking about juice Capturing the energy, the vibe, the juice in every day. Um, uh, Because when you go out there and work that work-a-day life in the corporate America, you don't get that always. And so I I just, life is short, you guys. So I decided, I woke up one day and I decided, no, I got to do what I want to do. And so I've been doing it ever since. I'll tell you the truth. Now, now, Keith, for you as a, a, and Brian, thank you for teaching him how to do comedy. I really, oh, of course, it. yeah, no, oh, he really needs that support. The word that you guys are thinking of is myoglobin. How did you all not know <laughs> the juice? Well, it's not me, it's not me, juice, it's myoglobin. Look, <laughs> I, I couldn't remember. Look, just because he sat in the green room this whole time and googled the shit, yeah, he had the Google machine well, up. Why? He was like, the, I kept watching the, the camera go down, and I'm like, oh, he's googling some shit right now, <laughs> but. But, you know, on the other side, as a comedian who, you know, this is your goal, you know, is to and I tell all my guests the same thing. I only ask one thing of my guests. When you get your red carpet event, I want to go as the son bitch that was there with you. So, you know, and Keith's got a whole trailer park full of us that's going to want to be there. (laughs) Um, So but how do you feel as a comedian? Because, you know, we've all said it like uh, Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer gets her stones busted for taking other people's work and people yeah. saying that, all oh, that's not hers. It was somebody else's this, that, and the other. Mencia got trouble for that. Who did? Yeah. Carlos Mencia. Yeah. Carlos yeah. Mencia is another great example. How do you feel from a, a comedian standpoint when you, you know, because really if you're, if Brian writes you a joke and says, here, go say this, you're taking Brian's work. Where is that line at? We have an agreement beforehand, whereas he passes over his intellectual property to me. And, right. you know, the it can be sealed by like a contract. There can be like a, like we don't talk about it. Was that a, what's that called? Whenever you two parties don't talk about something. A Non-disclosure. Non, yeah. One night stand. Non-disclosure. Yeah. Yeah, same difference. You oh, have okay. that. <laughs> but yeah, Drunken hot mess. That's where that line's drawn mostly is uh, just between the, it's the relationship between the writer and the performer and whatever they're comfortable with. Some 
comedians don't care that they their fans know that they have people that write for them. But most of the time, whenever you have it's a comedian that has someone writing for them, it's not for like a special. Most of the time, usually that's usually their material. But whereas you see like a comedian that's on like a television show or something like that, like right. a sitcom, that's where a lot of more of that that type of writing comes into play. But yeah, there's a lot of it in stand up too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I've had several of my jokes that I've heard told like in the almost the exact same order and, you know, same thought process behind it as what I've said in some of these online groups or, and uh, I haven't said anything, but I'm like, okay. So I yet to be, I have to watch out like what I do live and online. So yeah, a lot of people, they don't even know they're stealing it. But a lot of times if when you're out there, you don't know somebody could be in the audience. And then a month later, you might hear somewhere else. So it's happened. Well, we talked about this with uh, Drew that there, what is that? There's a, there's a terminology for that, that you don't, you're saying it and don't realize that you've heard it before in the past. And, And as far as you're concerned, it's an original thought. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's parallel thinking, but there's another term for it uh it's like some kind of um, sodomy sodomy Sodomy. yeah that's what it feels like when somebody takes your oh that's what it's like when somebody takes your shit (laughs) literally you feel like exactly (laughs) for real it's it's twofold but but it's it's just interesting so like i said the, the the whole comedy piece but you're writing a you know you're writing a book also now brian yes Yes. Now, so, is it a comedy book? Is it? No. Like, is no, this something no, I can give to Keith and say, Keith, <laughs> read this, and you can read? write a joke. Just, just be like me, Keith. You'll make it. Don't worry. <laughs> it better be an audio book or have pictures. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Uh, that's the funny thing about Chef Bride comedy. It's is my brand, and it's very misleading as everybody assumes I'm calling myself that, but that's just my brand. Um, the comedy comes from a very specific place in me. Um, but my podcast, it, it's, it's not about comedy at all. It's about, it's about showing and having empathy in a world that's not always all that kind anymore um, and it helping empaths. And then we, for fun, we talk about ghosts and the paranormal and all that. But um, at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, my writing is actually more to do with either cooking or being an empath than anything funny. I just, I like my comedy to come from a natural place. And so if I'm, if I'm funny by accident or, or it's happenstance that I'm funny, great. But I don't go into it to try to be funny. It has to. I mean, it has to be natural or it comes off forced. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Because I think yes. a lot of people, they see my show and they're like, he's a comedian? What? Because I'm very serious on the show. And then when my wife's on, you can kind of get the banter and see that, oh, okay, I can see how he could be a comedian. But when you hear my monologues, they're very serious. And so people go, I don't see the comedian there. Um, But like I said, those just different sides to the same coin, you know. I I think I know who Nathan's talking about for you. I already mentioned him. The uh, unearthing the paranormal guys. I think I know you haven't had a guest on yet. I'm going to recommend these guys for your first guest. Yeah. Only because and not yes, Keith, I understand you could be a great first guest also, but it's it's different. You were already on a show. My first guest, really. I, I already was. 
Yeah. Already on there. But yeah. I, I would recommend these guys just because of the this stuff. I Nathan, slow your roll, brother. I've already said unearthing the supernatural. I've already said it. I've already said it. Get over yourself. <laughs> I'm writing it this down. Is like, this, this is this is like his 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 uh fantasy football picks. They're always just one off from being anywhere worth it. He's the only guy I know that picks a kicker in the first round. Only guy I know. <laughs> Who does that shit? But uh but yeah, so definitely would highly recommend well either one of us will have to uh introduce you. I those guys are just phenomenal, phenomenal. And I think where you talk about being an empath, how does that affect I'm I'm curious of this. How does the empath piece affect your writing? When you're going into writing, do you feel like like does it actually become in my mind I would think about that and I go, it would almost feel like it's creating its own version of writer's block. You know, quite the opposite. Being an empath just allows me an extra layer of awareness. And so it served me well in the sense that um, it, it, it's just an extra little layer of, of, of being of self-awareness that it just gives you that extra, uh, you know, something. I don't know if it's supernatural or if it's just a sixth sense, but it gives you that sense of awareness where you, you just feel um, like um, it, it, it kind of provides for you, if you will, you know, it's always been there for me. It served me well. So um, it's hard to explain. It's kind of the opposite for me. Uh, like uh, I, I hold myself to like this certain standard of honesty and being genuine and like uh, everything that I write. So if I feel like I'm embellishing something or too much or something like that, I can't, put it out there and feel good about it because I don't know that empathy, like the empath is just hold. It's like a second sense of accountability other than the audience. Like, well, that's true that as an empath, you are bound by your moral compass and it can be a pain in the ass when you want to embellish or, or you don't know the answer to something and you don't want to be uh, insincere. Um, it, it holds you accountable really. Yeah. It's, now that's an interesting question in the, I know we're kind of circling back to the empath here for a moment. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned moral compass as yeah. an empath. Mm-hmm. How does, I, I guess in my mind, you, if, as soon as you said it, I, I went to an entirely different place. I always think of empath again. I'm a big fan of D and D sidebar note for my, my guests and my people, uh, one of my favorite D and D podcasts who follows our show here for the roles, which I love the name of their show here for the roles. Um, it, it's such a great name. Yeah. I reached out to their DM Jake and he's like, yeah, I'd love to come on your show. So, yeah. and my 12 year old son and I listen to the show all the time. It's such a great show, but completely sidebar. So when I think of an empath, that's kind of the initial, thoughts i have is that very supernatural D, yeah. almost like um what the hell's her name uh in yeah. guardians of the galaxy i can't think of it right now oh uh, because yeah um but i you know i think of almost that level of empath yeah um you can read yeah. a room right but reading a room but you just kind of struck me yeah. on something when you said moral compass i'm i almost yeah. thought like you could really flip that shit the other way well, that's that's what a dark empath is called. There's a term called dark empath, and that is where you have empathy and you have an extrasensory perception, 
but you don't, you choose not to use it. You use it for your benefit rather than the benefit of the world. And that's called the dark empath. And I've done entire episodes about that where I talk about the dark triad and I talk yeah. about uh, sociopathy. The what? The, 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 what? The, triad. the dark triad. What the hell is that? That's, I only know one triad. It's it's so, three personality traits that make up the the three uh, traits of a of a uh, dark. It's called dark triad, but it's three personalities make up a psychopath, and that's um, uh, psychopathy, uh, uh, Machiavellianism, and sociopathy. Yeah, and uh, narcissism, and those make up three traits that um, you can have one or all of those traits and be a psychopath. But um, a dark empath is like somebody who has an empathic uh, sense. They, they have an extrasensory perception, but they choose not to use it. In other words, they don't care about being kind about it. They want to use it for their own purposes. And so that's the thing that I try very hard not to do as an empath is to use that power to take advantage of people on the show. Of course, I want to get famous. Of course, I want to get popular. Of course, I want to start making some money in some capacity. But I but I hold myself to a very, very strict uh, uh, ethical regimen where I, I don't want to use people. I don't want to take advantage of anyone. I don't want to hurt anyone. And so I'm just trying to make the world a better place before I die. That's all. I've got that exact question written down here that I was going to ask you, bro. Nice. Like, like That's being awesome. an empath. Yeah. It's yeah. like sometimes difficult not to. <laughs> Yeah, it's like me and him, we struck a, like a core. We were vibrating on the same frequency or something whenever we had our podcast. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, because I think if, if there's one thing I could leave you with, Sean, is that being an empath, um, some people may never call themselves an empath because there's too much stigma attached with that. Some people might feel embarrassed to call themselves that. Some people think it's a bunch of um, pseudoscience or uh, new age hippie shit. What it, it's not any of that. And I, no. that's what, that's what I'm prefer- trying to do, demystify it and, and, and bring it down to a relatable level so everybody sees that it's, it's not nonsense. It's just that some people who are empaths might brand it or sell it as such. But what it really is is something that we all naturally have and whether you choose to acknowledge it or ignore it is really entirely up to you. There's very few people who don't have it. And I think the only people who don't have it are psychopaths and sociopaths. Mm-hmm. But everybody else has a little bit of it. Well, I prefer the term genius uh, over empath, but, you know, <laughs> their own. So, you know, so you've got, I don't, I, don't, I mean, you've just got, and, and I've titled this show, uh, a lot of one of the things I put in here was a lot of projects. You've got a lot going on, Brian. I mean, yeah. we're talking, you know, you've got the book, you've got the podcast, you're writing comedy. Um, I, I know we're getting to that hour point, and I, we, I'm good to keep going as long as you're good to keep going. And if you need to stop, you always no, let me yeah. know. But um, how do you because this is a tough one for me. I've got a full time job. Yeah, I've got a lot of, for those that know me, I have way too many kids. I have problems pulling out of the driveway. Um, <laughs> there's just a lot going on around this house. Yeah. Um, so we've got so much going on. How do you manage that? And in, in how can you help Keith to manage 
everything. I'm just I'm putting it all on fucking Keith tonight. Problems <laughs> pulling out of the driveway. I'm still laughing about that. Um, how do you manage to put all those pieces together for yourself? You know, I um, I naturally get shy and embarrassed in public. I naturally get shy and embarrassed on podcasts. Um, I've always been shy and sensitive. Um, I told myself a long time ago, listen to energy. Energy is intention. And so if your energy is to help people, if your energy is to heal, if your energy is to make the world a better place, I don't know. It's kind of like the way Christians use God as a way to blanket themselves. It, it protects you and makes you feel braver. For me, um, energy, my good intentions, is it, it helps me to realize that I don't care how I come across because my energy is correct. So long as my energy is coming correct, it doesn't matter if I'm perfect. It doesn't matter how beautiful I come off. What matters is my intention. And so I don't know. It just served me well. It just helps me feel protected because I feel like I'm coming from a place to help the world, to help people. Um, and as cheesy as that sounds, you know, I'm only going to, you know, I'm pushing 50, man. I, I'm not going to live forever. So hey, I whoa, just, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold that. Hold, hold that. Yeah. 50 shit. I'm 45. You would say you're 46. <laughs> I'm 47. All right. So save that pushing 50 bullshit. You're <laughs> way, you're way too close to me. You know, I know he it's scary. He looking thirty. because <laughs> he fucking dyes his beard, Keith. He didn't. He said that shit earlier. You missed it. He dyes his beard. No, he can't hear I us right now. Thought. He can't what hear us right now. For? He can't. He can't hear this right now. He dyes his beard. That's like I look at this. I mean, he dyes his beard. He can't He's hear this. Crazy. I can hear everything. Oh, son of a. <laughs> It's only because it's not pr- when it starts looking like yours, we're going to be good to go. You, you'll well, see. Well, <laughs> I mean, I got a perm confidently whenever I was 15. So, I mean, I can't <laughs> say anything to either. Did you, of you. Ha- Wait, did you say you had a perm? Yeah. On my, dad, my dad was like one of those 70s guys that used to get perms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the I old man know. had a mullet a with perm. a perm. Like my old man used to be like, my dad had Jerry curl. He had naturally curly hair, and you could see pictures of him with the Jerry curl. Oh, it's so <laughs> <And amazing. he's> <laughs> That's so amazing. Like, I, I'm telling you, my old man had a perm, and I used to look. I've seen pictures, and I remember him getting it, and I used to think to myself, as I got older, I'm like, this dude had a perm. Yo, I look like I look like I was trying out to be the new spokesperson for Little Debbie snack cakes. Like I look just like Little Debbie. Like, <laughs> it, it was crazy. I, I mean, you ought to see it. I mean, I do a side by side. Same. Oh, can't even tell the difference. Oh, that's like, so great. Looks well, like the spokesperson for Little Debbie. That's, oh, that's so great. So, yeah. so what is the? Do we do we have a release date for the book? Do we know what is the book about? Um, well, I actually have a lot of ideas for books. I write a ton of stuff in my journal, and um, it's all material for my jokes. It's material for my book. Um, I'm trying to do a book for Empaths, and then I'm trying to do a cookbook. Um, but it, no release dates yet. I'm working on them. I'm hoping to get everything published by maybe next year. Okay. And I'm assuming, like, well, obviously you would love to be with like Penguin or somebody like that, but at this point, are you looking to try to do self publish? What are you thinking? 
You know, I'm not sure. Um, I've got a friend uh, who's been published a couple of times and she's from Australia and I'm kind of taking her advice right now, kind of um, I'll get the books written. I'll look into self-publishing, but I'm really just going to shop around and see what happens. Nice. The title, what would you, uh, have you come up with a title for it? You said not yet. No, I do the titling very last. I always go in thinking about my main theme and then I, 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 I do a, it's just like my podcast. I, I, I write notes for myself in kind of uh, AB form letters, you know, letters and number yeah. form. And then once I have my uh, outline, um, I do my show. And that's the same with my book. It's the same thing. I just, I collect all my brain farts and, and put them in a jar. <laughs> As a stinky jar. As a yeah. stinky, stinky jar. Stinky jar. Well, that, like that I have fun to the world. As an empath, like if I were were looking for a book like on the subject that you know I would think that would appeal to me, it would be sometimes uh, it's not you, it's them. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That is really I'm writing that down. What about just a straight up on the nose title, like, "Hey, this is a book for empaths." Like, what's wrong with that? Well, that's with that. The thing. That's the a, thing. Call it know, just, this is a book for empaths, and just call it that. Just yeah. That's the thing I try to do. Like my podcast is not about comedy, but I just put myself out there. And if I'm funny, I'm funny. And that's what I try to put in my uh, writing as well. It's just be yourself. I mean, you can't go wrong being yourself, you know? Well, you had a great review. You just got another five-star review. I saw that uh, guy wrote a, you yeah. posted that on, on Instagram. And, yeah. and again, folks, if you're looking to find uh, Brian, you can look up Surviving Empathy. You can look up Chef Brian Comedy. He's on Facebook, the same place. Yeah. Chef Bri and it's just Bry B R Y Bravo Romeo yeah. Yankee. Yeah. Chef Bry Comedy. You can look him up there. Uh, we've been tagging him all week, week long uh, on different things, so that you know you guys can go out and find uh, Chef Bry. Definitely a, a, a remarkable guy. Has a lot of talents. Uh, it's got a good look. I'm gonna tell him he's put got up a good with smile. me for three hours. <laughs> three hours, good God! He's got a good smile. Oh, we're, thank you. We're, we we were gonna talk about setting up for podcasts because that was a, actually what we talked about beforehand. Maybe uh, Keith and I like to do a post show uh, after this on Instagram Live. Maybe if, if uh, Chef Bry has a moment, we'll, he'll jump on with us uh, and do our post show with us. But I mean, there's so much that we could get into so many different things. Cause oh, I feel like we could do this over and over again, Sean. Uh, it, it really is. Cause I mean, there there's, there's so many God, we can talk about military experiences. Oh, yeah. He did four years. I did 20 years. Yeah. And even in that time, he's got a Dexter shirt on folks. <laughs> I've never watched Dexter. I'm very interested. I've never watched it, but then I'm rocking a, a New York city comic-con 2019 shirt. Loving it. The last oh. time that shit was good. My wife and I are big nerds, so anybody, uh, everybody knows that. <laughs> I'm I'm all about it. Um, we just did you watch Wheel of Time? What's that? Wheel of Time. Did you watch it? No, no. Uh, -uh. I recommend Wheel of Time. That was okay. pretty good. I'm wife and I, wife and I watched that. Here's how good Witcher is, though. I'm going to tell you for anyone who's not watched Witcher yet. That's on my list. If you haven't watched Witcher yet, my mother is 69 years old. Mm -hmm. Um. She came up to visit for Christmas. Season two of Witcher had just come out, or I think it's season two. Yeah. My mother, not only did she enjoy 
watching the first half of season two of Witcher with me. She went back to Baltimore where I grew up, watched season one, rewatched what she hadn't seen of season two, and then caught up completely. And then called me like a crazy person was like, do you see who that is at the end of season two? And I went, yeah, <laughs> wasn't that wild? Nice. And, nice. and awesome. I sent her and I sent her book one. So if you think Witcher's not good, my mother, who's a 69 year old woman who has, you know, she likes stuff like my mom will watch that stuff. But my mom's the kind of person. She's like, I don't like to watch series. She wants to watch movies. Right. She's like, I want it to start. I want it to finish. And I want to move on. Uh, she sat and watched Witcher and was like, this is amazing. And was like calling me and be like, what? Why does she look like this? What's going on with this character? <laughs> As I'm holding my hand up to my face like a phone. But um, <laughs> but yeah, like so I, I definitely I think you and yeah. I could definitely sit and do do this over and over yeah. and over again. I hope um, you invite me back on sometime. I, I absolutely think you're doing a great job. Everything you do is really nice and fun and down to earth. And uh, I, I hope I can come back on sometime. Absolutely. You know, you are well. Look, you you. You see all the all the things as they're coming up. If you see a guest that you, I'll, I'm going to put it out there because Keith does this all the time to me. Yeah. If you see a guest that's coming up, and you go, I'm interested in that guy. You want to come on? I will leave you with a standing invitation. Reach out to me. Say Murph, I'm really interested in this person. Uh, see if we can get you a time to to jump on uh, with them. Perfect. Talk to the. You know, you can you can ask your questions. As yeah. always, though, this thing is on. Facebook, it's on LinkedIn, it's on YouTube, it's on Twitch, it's on Twitter. Tomorrow, the the audio will go out on every single platform that you could ever imagine. This is your first StreamYard too, isn't it? It is. It is. What do you think of StreamYard? What do you think of StreamYard? I like it. It's just easy to use. I mean, yeah. see, I'm glad you find it easy, Brian. Would you like to hear the story of Keith's first time using StreamYard? <laughs> sure. Yeah. It was. It was sort of like watching a monkey screw a football. <laughs> yeah and, and he was like it, sending me messages like man this thing doesn't work i'm like what do you mean it doesn't work you just click one link and, so and type your name in one link and type your name in it's well, you not know, working quick one story link. quick quick story when keith and i were did our show together we did it on the stereo app and mm. i didn't know at the time it was my very first time using stereo i have it where you know when your phone rotates uh, it flips, right? Well, I had that turned on, and I didn't know at the time, but my audio, when I put out the show, it clicks every time I go from portrait to landscape, and I didn't oh. know that at the time, and so that's why it was clicking, and so this time, I decided, oh, I'm turning that off. I turned it off for this show, <laughs> just in case. I wasn't gonna about to mess up your show. And that's another example. Like you're doing this right on your phone. Uh, yeah. For those, and, and we can get into the whole podcast. For those of you talking about podcasts, uh, real quick, Brian and I talked about this beforehand. I always tell everyone I, I give them these numbers, and I've been talking about this a lot lately. Uh, Spotify said there was 1.2 million podcasts. I can't remember if it was 2021 or 2020. Of those 1.2 million, uh only 30% had put anything out in 90 days. Wow. Which means that's only 300,000 podcasts. Yeah. And of those that were putting stuff out, the average podcast only goes 10 episodes. Wow. So the reason yeah. Brian and I were talking about this is if you're really interested in this, 
you can get really fucking into gear stuff, heavy, heavy, heavy XLR mics. Uh, if you were to see my setup, I, I don't know what it cost me altogether. I'd have to sit down and do the numbers, but it wasn't inexpensive. Yeah. I love just checking and geeking anyway. So this is just a natural part of my life anyway. It, it is. And I've spent a lot of, lot of money to be able to do this show and, and to not sound like an imbecile as I'm doing it. Right. At least you can hear the stupidness in my voice. <laughs> you can hear very how bad clear. it is. We're it's all very there. clear. It's, I, super, it's super clear how bad it is. <laughs> it's, and and uh, I can do my ASMR. Just Sean, you right you, you're one of the most professional podcasters I've met, and I've been able to be on the show for sure, and I've been on several. Well, I, oh, oh. It's that military readiness, man. I, it is. It's clockwork. I don't do anything. I do nothing. I'm so bad. <laughs> That's I'm so perfect. Bad. It's you. <laughs> it, it really is me. But, you know, throwing this all out there, for those of you that, and this was something, and Brian and I said we were going to talk about it. Maybe we could do a whole other episode on, on doing. Maybe what we could do, Brian, is we'll have to get a couple of podcasters together. We'll yeah. all get on an episode together, and we'll talk about what it was like preparing to do a podcast oh, and the be equipment. Good. Because you're using uh, USB mics. Mm-hmm. Which is, I started off with a USB mic and I was like, I'm going to go to XLR. And then you and I were talking, you were like, I really wish I would have done XLR. I wish I had started with XLR. Yeah. And now I'm into XLR. I've got an entire, I've got a bag. Do you know what a Zuka bag is? Yeah. I've got a Zuka bag that at any moment, somebody could be like, Hey, I'd like you to come over and do a podcast with us. All I have to do is unplug my computer, close it up, stick it in the bag and I'm ready to go. I've got yeah. extra mics. I've got extra ca- extra cameras. I've got tripods. Yeah. I'm like my own friggin' Spider-Man ready to go. <laughs> You're a podcast fripper. Well, you know, <laughs> Keith, we before this, I tried to- <laughs> I'm a podcast prepper. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I um before I started, you know, I tried my hand at being a YouTuber before this, so I have a DSLR camera. I have a ring light. I have tripods. Um, and then I realized that I'm more of a radio guy. And so now I'm getting ready to do radio. Yeah. I'm going to be starting another YouTube channel now, but it's only going to be a supplemental channel so that I can connect with my audience and people can, I think people want to see me more. And so I'm, I'm not, I'm a naturally kind of shy person. I don't like putting myself out there visually not because I'm insecure or anything, but I'm just, I want my voice to speak for itself. I, you know, I want people to hear, you know, my intentions. And so sometimes I feel like when people see you, um, it, it kind of cuts away from who you really are. I don't want people to pay attention to how handsome I am or not. Well, you uh, don't have a face well, for, you don't have a face to make a freight train take a dirt road. So you're good. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, I just, I wanted, I wanted, I'm trying to connect with my audience. I want to give them what they want. It's just that I'm naturally shy and I don't really want to put myself out there, but it's and you not. You wouldn't know that on here. You, Yo, you've I... been so comfortable. Appreciate Keith, that. How many followers do you have on YouTube, Keith? 700. See, that's an example. Yeah. I've got fit. I got like 50 or 60 on YouTube. Yeah. My, th- this is an example. I love my daughters. I have beautiful daughters. They're wonderful young ladies. They're beautiful mothers. I love them to death. I will castrate all of you. <laughs> um, my daughter says to me one day she decided to get into that whole uh, RV life like yeah. I'm just going to live out an RV 
she did it out of my yard. So my I don't girlfriend know if it, are doing. Yeah, but she did it out of my yard. I don't know if it's the same <laughs> oh. thing. <laughs> no. It's not the same thing. Well, no, because anytime she, anytime the rubber meets the road, she can just go inside. Right. Just I'm gonna just go inside. <laughs> I need laundry's getting a little heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Cold. Yeah. Exactly. So, one day we're talking, and she's like, "So I've done a couple of YouTube videos on RV living and this, that, and the other." I'm like, "You know, I'm a fucking podcaster. I'm a badass podcaster. Fucking like four people watch my show at any given time. Oh, <laughs> badass." And all of a sudden she goes, yeah, I put this YouTube video up and I'm like, yeah, she's like, yeah, I got like five, 600 followers. Wow. I'm like, what? Yeah. She's like off one video, bro. Well, you got to understand my daughter is a beautiful young lady. She's six foot tall, blonde. Well, yeah, that helps a lot. Played college basketball. She's a beautiful young lady. But do you know how mad that made me? Oh yeah, I'm still to this day jealous of the fact that I'm like, I can't switch my YouTube like www.youtube and make it to say the Above the Bar podcast because I don't have enough followers. Right. Yeah. You need to have at least a hundred followers. I remember that. Yeah. I don't have enough followers, so that shit's like www.youtube and then like a bunch of other random ass shit. What you got to do is you got to get your daughter to do some uh, video work for your channel. Boom. Like, nah. Mm Because you know, the jealousy factor in my head is like, I oh, it, damn. I, I talk about on the show how in order to have more followers, I, you know, like uh, I use the example a lot. There's a YouTuber named Bailey Sarian. She she does a, a show about murder, makeup, mystery Mondays. And she basically does makeup tutorials while telling true crime stories. Well, that's interesting. And Perfect. but the thing I use her as an example because she is like five million followers now. She is getting she's blowing up. And, and so I always say, you know, on the show, like, you know, it's nothing, there's nothing wrong with sexuality. There's nothing wrong with being attracted to people, but I hope that people are getting famous because of their content, not because of their perfect yeah. looks. You know well, what I mean? Don't do a disservice to yourself just because you think, because you're a decent looking fellow. Right. That you, you feel like you should hamstring yourself or handicap yourself. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. But I just, I, I. I guess the thing is, is um, being an empath, I'm sensitive to superficiality. And so I don't, I'm trying to teach people to resist being superficial. If you can help it, we don't want to just reward beautiful people. We want to reward people with content. I'm tired of rewarding Keith. I'm tired of rewarding. It's pretty and all, but come on, what else do you got? So we're going to get ready to close the bar down. (laughs) We're going to close the bar down. As always, Keith already knows this, Brian. Yeah. Not do not log. I have to say, don't log off anymore to all my guests because i had one guest that oh. like logged off after i ended the show and i'm like come back i need to talk to you for a minute oh, okay. as always and keith and i will probably do a little bit of post show on uh instagram brian if you're around we would love to have you uh so if you're on instagram you can either look up keith burr b-u-r-r yeah we're, you we're buddies up, on instagram or you can look up uh the above the bar podcast you'll find me Obviously, you can look up uh, Surviving Empathy. That's what we want you to look up. Or uh, Chef Bry Comedy. Look him up there yeah. and find him. I expect that all my folks, you know, and, and I got to say thank you to everyone. We've had one of our biggest weeks as a show uh, over the last week. 
over 114 downloads of the podcast, just the audio version. Uh, People all all over the world. Again, I know I talk about a lot of podcast numbers, but if you're doing 20 to 30 downloads an episode, you're in the top 30% of all podcasts. I'm above that. Bro, then you're doing amazing. Thank you. You're you're really sponsorships. Sponsorship. That's what I'm looking into next. I'm going on hiatus. I got two more episodes until my season two ends, and I'm going to go on hiatus for three to four weeks, and then I'm going to come back to season three. Oh, that's a whole conversation. See, now that's a whole conversation of itself. Yeah, I've I've reached a point where I'm scared to miss a Wednesday. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I I schedule medical shit around it. I hear you because I hear Wednesdays. I drop most of myself on Mondays and Wednesdays. Yeah. <laughs> I, when, Wednesdays we record. Some too. Yeah. Wednesdays we record this. And then Thursday the, the, the live will come out. Yeah. Or the uh, episode will come out. I'm so scared to miss this. <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast thing where we can get into just oh. how once you get in it and you get over that 10, 15 episode hump. Yeah. And you've got a pattern. Yeah. You don't want to break that pattern. Agreed. I agree. Perfectionism I, too. I yeah. tell people, you know, because I I I I meet a handful of podcasters, and I love every single one of you guys. Um, you, you're all you've all been so good, and you all put out great content. Uh, so, what separates the men from the boys? You know, what it boils down to is ne- being niche. You need to be niche. People want to be interested. You know, niche. You know. Yeah. I I, I had to learn that. So. I learned that the hard way. Yeah. I'm still learning it. So right. I have a I have a good buddy acquaintance uh who he has a podcast that at one point in time it was the number twenty two podcast in the world. He's doing about twenty five thousand downloads an episode still. It, put that in perspective. If you're yeah. in the top thirty percent at twenty to thirty, he's doing twenty five thousand downloads. Wow. So he's in, like, he's the kind of guy that when you click on top 100, his shit's showing up. Right. Yeah. Uh, his name's Donnie Bovian. He's been on the show before. Donnie's an amazing guy. But Donnie's the guy who told me, change the name of all your shows. Mm-hmm. I had all my shows. I had these, like, really cool, kitschy names, like, oh, boom, your ass is on fire. Like, whatever the hell it was. And I thought it was something that came out of the show. Yeah. That would make you want to go look at it. Yeah, he clickbait. Said, yeah, clickbait. He yeah. said, Murph, people look up podcasts the same way they look up YouTube videos. Right. I said, well, what Looking do you mean? Help. That's it. They're, they are. They are. So somebody who's going to look at this show is looking to. What can you do po- for me? Podcast or manage something or empathy. Provide value. And, and so what I've started to do, if you look, there's always two taglines and the guest name. Yeah. Yeah. So that if somebody looked up Chef Bry, this show is going to pop up. If somebody yeah. looked up multiple projects, this show will pop up. If somebody looked up how to, this will pop up. Right. And that's great. That, how to, I'm, that's a good one. Yeah, because I tag mine, uh, and a lot of times I use what's called piggybacking, where if I mention somebody like Joe Rogan, I'll put Joe Rogan in my tag, not not to be a creep or anything, but I might mention him, or Chris Cornell, I mention him a lot because he's the Amazing my favorite singer. And so a lot of times I'll use that just to piggyback. It's kind of like when a YouTuber, uh, like I know a YouTuber named Freakin' Reviews, he does uh, product reviews. 
and he reviewed the purple mattress and the purple pillow. And, and that's where he built his audiences off of those two items alone. And so he kind of got much bigger and more famous because of the two popular items that he did. So piggybacking, as long as you're not unethical about it, I think is a great way to, to grow I have no issue with it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, if you do, you know, there's, okay. there's one downside to that. It's, um, well, like you said before, clickbait, uh, if you put that in like, not in the, I know you don't put it in the title, but if you do it in like the tags or keywords and things like that, YouTube will, well, it goes through it. And if it doesn't find any content with that person or the subject that you mentioned into it, it will flag it as clickbait sometimes in some cases, just to, just to, be, know. Yeah, to know that about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so it it again, folks. Like I said, there's so much to this, uh, especially when you start getting into it. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, I, I read this was somebody who I I respect a lot, another Marine who was who's doing very well with it. But I mean, this is also a guy who used to be a salesperson, go to people at he would be at restaurants and at bars and hotels and see other people that he obviously could tell was other salespeople and be like, oh, you want to hear about sales? Go ahead and put this on your phone. Go ahead and put this podcast on your phone. I do that. I go to I go to events with people, and they're like, I, I wear my uh, my mask because we all got to be COVID friendly. Mm-hmm. My mask says the Above the Bar podcast on it. It's it's me. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> that's a that's a brilliant. I wear a mask that has my face on it. Hey. I, I go Smart, out. Man. Yeah, I mean, because it's it's look. Anyone who's out here who's still stuck with us for the you know this little part that we're adding to the end of this, if you're if you're really thinking about a podcast, I promise you, don't do it. <laughs> right. I, I, unless unless you really love yourself. Yeah, no, it's true. I love me. I'm very proud of me. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the whole um, Snoop Dogg. I want to yeah. thank me for believing <laughs> in me. Yeah. Uh, for thinking that I could do this, it, yeah. it, it or, really is. Or you can use nope. it to, to to get to the point where you can love you. Yeah, or, yeah, you can. This is the um, a, a a great one. Who remembers Happy Harry Hard One? I've heard of that. This morning, pump up, <laughs> pump up the volume with Christian Slater. Oh yeah, that was his his name. His his pirate radio name was Happy Harry Hard One. Right, that's and. Right. And that's what this is. This is that new version. Right. We all can be that person yeah. if we're looking to get into it. But it's expensive. You can drop a lot of money. You can be really cheap about it. And you you can use your phone and just – and yeah. if you got amazing content and you know amazing people, you can have these conversations. Yeah. I, I can't do the true crimes. I'm not a true crime guy. I can't yeah. even watch the ID channel. It's so boring to me. <laughs> when I watch the ID channel and they're like, so she went back to the house. To get the bag and never <laughs> returned. I'm like, so the Darling. husband, the husband paid a hitman to, to kill his wife. <laughs> yeah, well, you well, got to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, like I'm like this. I got an hour of this shit. Well, God. Yeah, yeah Please, but those on, are housewives at home that have nothing to do but wash the dishes. And oh, I can't do it, bro. I can't. Yeah, do it. yeah. Right, let's, I like let's, let's put like a bow. Like we got to put a bow on this. Okay. Come find us over on IG. We're gonna yeah. do some little little bit of IG work. Uh again, if you're looking for Brian, you're gonna find him. Brian Russell is gonna be on uh at Chef Chef Bry Comedy 
Yes, it's going to be at Surviving Empathy. Yeah. You're going to find him at those locations. You'll see his ruggedly handsome face on all those places. <laughs> He's got a great smile. Um, if you're looking for Keith, um, the local gas station, <laughs> Higgly Wiggly. He, um, well-constructed um, trash. Yeah. Well-constructed yeah, trash. I like it. Perfect. That's his credo. <laughs> yeah, that's um, the most well-constructed piece of garbage you've ever seen. I I, pick, I I don't believe that to be true, but yeah, <laughs> I pick I pick on Keith, but Keith knows for a fact if he ever had to get bailed out of jail, I would so call somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I tried last time I was in there. Um, you didn't call he, me. No, you, you you talked to my girlfriend. He's like, well, I hope he does all right. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> don't call me again. No, but you were in jail, and I actually was one of the few people that checked on you, asshat. Yeah, I was one of the few people knew where the hell you were at. Well, I tried not to broadcast it too much. Like, hey, yeah. what's up, everybody? You find me at the big Sandy Regional Detention. <laughs> <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> all right, and Keith still owes me a guest a guest appearance with uh, Tyler Childers. Yeah, good luck. I can barely get a hold of him. <laughs> All I want, Keith, I would probably shut my podcast down if I could get Tyler on here. You do no, you wouldn't. No, no, I'd have wouldn't. to broadcast that shit everywhere. Oh, yeah. Have you ever listened to Tyler Childers, Brian? No, I haven't. I am going to highly recommend. Um, listen, this isn't like somebody just shoving the phone in your face saying, "Listen no, to no. this. This is no, great." No, no, no. Like uh, White House Road. Um. Oh God! What the hell is the one? Little feathered Indians. Oh yeah, is another is another song. I'll like, send you a a couple of them that you should. What yeah. the hell is the name of the one where he's going? Uh, like diamond. I don't know if he's diamond mining or what it is. Oh, and, you're talking about. Um, and he shoots the guy. Yeah, that's uh. I know you know the, the song I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. Uh, like, I'll put it this way: I like Tyler enough. And I don't like country music at all. I'd rather take a sharp stick in the eye. <laughs> um, but it's more bluegrass sound. Yeah. Banded I, Clovis. That's it. That. Banded Clovis. That's it. Banded Clovis. Oh, okay. Uh, my wife took his most recent album, and I got a hard copy of it, a vinyl copy. My wife framed it and put it on the wall in my home. That's how good he, that guy is. He uh, just played He <laughs> just uh, on Camel, not long, or the Tonight Show. <laughs> yeah the guy is amazing so where can we find you at keith other than uh the local piggly wiggly um you can hit me up at goodwill target your local closed down kmart um <laughs> let's see um any crack den uh also youtube at keith burr um instagram keith burr.comedy I'm on uh, TikTok for intermittent periods of time until they find out that I've made a new account and kick me again. <laughs> but right now, my name is I'm def uh, is definitely not Keith Burr. So, <laughs> yeah. Now, do you see why I'll do the writing and he'll let him do the performing? He's a talent, He's a natural. <laughs> and you That's have your Facebook. You have a Facebook, Keith. Keith Burr? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, do, you Keith jackass. Burr. <laughs> Keith Burr. It's got if the you, people. For the, the right amount of, for the right amount of money to my cash app, I will tell you his full actual name. 
Oh, nobody better not. <laughs> I know the truth. And, and as always, folks, I hope you enjoyed the show. We're going to get ready to pull the, pull the shades down on the bar, turn the sign to say closed. Yeah. The Above the Bar podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitch. It's all The Above the Bar podcast. Our Twitter is the only one that's a little bit goofy, and that's at Above the Bar 4. Our email, the above the bar podcast at gmail.com. Um, as always, on every show, we're going to go around the horn. Uh, Keith, you weren't the original guest, so you do not get the final, final word. We're going to go ahead and, and leave that for Fair Brian. Enough. So, Keith, what is your final word? Mm. Man, just don't be offended by everything. Be an adult. And figure out what you think on your own, because if somebody's trying to be funny, leave them alone to try to be funny because they're trying to do a service. But if their intention is hateful, yeah, give them shit, but leave funny people alone to be funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. And how about you there? Chef Bry, Chef Bry comedy, Brian yeah. Russell, surviving empathy, all those things. What's your final word for us? You know, I call myself crusty, but kind. And uh, if I could, you know, make the world in, in, in my image, I just want people to be nice and behave and be, be kinder to each other. We need to make the world a kinder place, you guys. More compassion. Alrighty, folks. Be sure to push your stool in. This has been an Earplug Podcast presentation. Found on EarplugPodcast.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found. 